Welcome back to another episode of Guide Live B2B Jam Session. Hope you're having a lovely Wednesday, September 9th, wherever you're tuning in from. That was some one more night from Constantine Clash Tourney. If you listen to this team or band, please let me know. Show me some love because this is the first time I've ever heard of this song. It's a tribute to Phil Collins. And I'm pretty much a, a jazz aficionado, but this is a new song for me. So show some love if you know that beat. Let us know where we can learn more and find out more about that amazing, amazing song. With that said, I have a really awesome guest with me today. Huge, huge fan of this guy. He's an amazing author. He's taught at the Stanford Graduate School of Business and Hassel Plattner Institute of Design. His writing on technology, business, psychology has appeared in Harvard Business Review, The Atlantic, Tech Crunch and Psychology Today. He's everywhere. He is everywhere. You've definitely seen him somewhere. I, I promise you that. You know, today I'm talking, talking with Nir Eyal, who is the author and Wall Street Journal bestseller of Indistractable. And that is his latest book. But you've also probably heard of one of his other books that you've definitely read if you work in the tech arena and the technology space, Hooked, which is a book I've read like two, three years ago. And I still keep near my bedside whenever I'm building a product. Every time. Seriously. It literally went viral. And, <laughs> and we're not talking about COVID-19 viral. We're talking about people who are interested in reading more about it viral. So if you know who I'm talking about, Mr. Nir Eyal, he's an amazing author. And he's been everywhere. He's done press with everyone you can imagine. And a lot of his work is on YouTube as well if you're on YouTube learning. So definitely, definitely check it out. But more importantly, tune in to our conversation because we're going to be talking about what does it mean to be indistractable? You know, if you ever get that feeling like there's too much going on right now, there's a lot going on, especially in California. There's a fire, there's COVID-19, and we're all working remotely. So we're all creating new routines. And I really want to dive deep with him on what does it mean to be indistractable and actually kind of walk through some of the frameworks that he gives in his latest book. And if you haven't, make sure you check it out. It's on Audible. It's on Amazon. It's on wherever you can find a book. Check it out, but we're gonna really dive deep and you know, hear from him. You know, what does it mean to be indistractable and how do we really take control of our time and more importantly, our attention in this new economy? With that said, let me bring on Nir. Nir, what's up, man? Hey, how you doing? I'm I'm enjoying the tunes. One more night. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> man, I love I love this playlist that I have going on, man. But where are you where are you joining us from, man? I am in Singapore at the moment. Yeah. So I, so you so you before we even went out, you shared that with me that you're in Singapore. So you actually escaped COVID nineteen. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. How's that been, man? How are you holding up? It's uh, I'm 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 you know thankfully I'm fine. My uh, you know I work from home and I have for several years now since I've been uh, a, a, an author. Uh, my daughter is homeschooled, so for us it was a pretty easy transition. Uh, I just moved from working in one box to now working in a different box, uh, so so it's not been a big deal. Um, yeah. But yeah, we left in in March. Uh, we live in Midtown Manhattan, and so we decided it might be a nice time to go for a little vacation. And uh, we liked uh, we liked it out here in Singapore so much that we might stay for longer than we expected. <laughs> no, I can only imagine. So you got to touch on something here. You've been working remotely for quite some time now. This is not your first, you know, remote rodeo. I would love for you to share a little bit more about kind of like how do you think people 
are kind of adapting to these new routines in terms of working remotely. And because now that everyone's working remotely, everyone literally has to change their routines and they're distracted by not only remote work, right? Changing their routines, but also the fact that we're all going through a pandemic. We'd love for you to touch on a little bit on how have you been successful as a remote worker and how do you stay indistractable as a remote worker? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, when when uh, the whole world started working remotely, it was kind of like, oh, welcome to my world, folks. This is <laughs> this is what I've been doing for a while here, and uh, especially you know when what you know, working from home is one thing. Uh, homeschooling is a whole nother thing. And I think a lot of people uh, struggled with that transition with, you know, having to have the kids in the house uh, while you're trying to get work done. And uh, it's, it's a, it can be a very, very difficult transition. Uh, we went through that transition about six years ago when my daughter, when we decided to homeschool my daughter and my wife works from home, I work from home. And there were certainly some growing pains. And I think uh, for, for folks out there who have had to make that transition, uh, a lot of people have had to make that transition against their will, as opposed to, you know, we mm -hmm. decided to do it six years ago, but we've had a lot of practice with it over the years. And I will say that um, the, 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 one of the biggest struggles, I think, with this new reality of having to work from home is, mm -hmm. uh, is a few things. One, not only are there more external triggers, meaning all the pings, dings, and rings, the, the things that can drive you towards distraction. Now we have a new one. It's not just our phones and our computers that are distracting us. It's our kids, <laughs> right? And we can get back to this. I, they're, they're actually, I talk about in the book what to do when you work from home and you have the distraction of your children or your spouse or your roommate. There's some techniques that you can use that are very, very effective that will really change your life. They certainly changed mine around how do you get work done with kids in the house. And so we can talk about that. Another thing that I think is as is, is having a significant impact is uh, is what we call the internal triggers. We talked about external mm -hmm. triggers, all the things outside of us that can lead us towards towards distraction. But the number one source of distraction is not the external triggers. We tend to blame our phones, our computers, you know, email, Facebook. things like that. Yeah, but actually the number one source of distraction is not what is going on outside of us, but rather time studies reveal it's what's happening inside of us. So these are called internal triggers, and these are uncomfortable emotional states that we seek to escape from. So boredom, uncertainty, fatigue, stress, loneliness. This yeah. is why we look for escape with procrastination and distraction it's not a character flaw. It's not that something's wrong with you or you're broken somehow. It's simply the fact that we don't have the skills to deal with those uncomfortable sensations in a healthy manner. So if you think about you know, what we're going through today, not mm. only do we have all the work stresses, not only do we have all the normal you know, things that we used to stress us out before COVID, now the world is suddenly more uncertain, more yeah. stress-inducing. Uh, causes us more anxiety. And so we are, are even, you know, many people are struggling even more with this, uh, these uncomfortable sensations. And so if you're not well equipped to deal with those uncomfortable sensations, like the stress, uncertainty, anxiety that, that is, is part of our world today, you are even more likely to look for distraction somewhere. Check the news more than you need to. Um, uh, scroll Facebook more than is healthy. Take yeah. more drinks than you would normally drink to escape this discomfort uh, that we feel. And so that that's become an even more important issue. Unfortunately, it's something that we don't tend to think about, that we, mm. we love to blame the tech or the distraction, but we don't actually look inside. And so that's a big part of becoming indistractable is it's called mastering the internal triggers. It's the first and most important step. You know, that's really powerful. And this is why this is, this is powerful, because I'm actually a psychology major as well. 
you, well, you're, you, you've, you've studied the book on psychology, even though you may not have gone to school on it. But like, there's so much in what you're saying that always kind of like hits me every time I read one of your books is the fact that it's a, it's one, it starts with triggers, but more importantly, there's a cycle of behavior here that we often get committed to because we don't understand how to one deal with these triggers or that, you know, technology has created that allows us to get triggered. You know, I want you to kind of like dive deep a little bit on what are some ways for people to manage those internal triggers? Because one of them you mentioned is boredom. I am always bored. bored. And like every time I, I, every time I find myself bored, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, like that's it for me, right? Sure. But how do, I, yeah. how do I internalize that? Yeah. So, it, you know, I think one of the myths in the self-help industry these days that really does hurt people is this idea that feeling bad is bad. Mm. that our goal should be to constantly be happy all the time. That if you're not satisfied with your life, if, if things aren't awesome all the time, then mm. something must be wrong with you. And nothing could be further from the truth. That if you think about it from an evolutionary basis, uh, our species did not evolve to be happy all the time. Happy is by design a fleeting sensation. And yet mm. that's striving to you know, have this unrealistic goal that we should be pain-free and happy all the time is, is silly. I mean, think about it, right? If our species had evolved to be happy and contented all the time, our ancestors probably would have killed and eaten them, right? Yeah. That, that's not a good trait. You don't want to have a, a, a civilization of people who are always happy. You know why? Because yeah. it's discomfort that drives us towards progress. It's because we are perpetually perturbed that we invent, that we create, that we shoot for the moon because we want something. And so it's not about this ideal that uh, we should be you know, happy all the time and never feel these internal triggers, quite the opposite. It's about using those internal triggers, using the anxiety, the uncertainty, the stress, the boredom to lead us towards traction rather than distraction. So it's how you deal with those sensations. Do you deal with that discomfort through escape? And many people escape in all kinds of ways, right? Some of them not so healthy, you know, drinking too much, watching too much TV, scrolling Facebook too much. Some of them in, in, in ways that are, are just as unhealthy and yet society condones them. You know, how many people do we know that are workaholics to escape yeah. their crappy home life situation? They, you know, they're at work incessantly. When we don't, when they get to work, and they're not really sure what to do. They feel uncertainty and stress and anxiety. They check email nonstop as opposed to working on that big project they really have to work on. Uh, mm. So, so th those are might be unhealthy ways to deal with that internal triggers. We can also use the internal triggers in a very healthy manner, in a very adaptive manner, where we use those internal triggers to drive us forward like rocket fuel towards our goals, towards traction rather than distraction. Mm. So and there I are many, many, many practical techniques that we can use to do that. Yeah, so like doing things that you, you love and are more healthy and meaningful for you. So versus, you know, going to the um, things that distract you and actually just waste your time, whether it be zoning into your work or zoning into Facebook for hours and hours. <laughs> and, and, well, and well, time. This, this is a really, really important distinction because I, I, we, we, I didn't really define what is distraction. And I, I didn't really understand this when I started this, uh, th this journey five years ago to research and write my book. Um, I didn't, I didn't properly understand what distraction is. And I think it's worth, worth talking about that, you know, many people think the opposite of distraction is focus mm -hmm. and that's what they strive for, but that's not actually accurate. The opposite of distraction is not focus. The opposite of distraction is traction. 
that if you look at the origin of both words, the Latin root comes from trahare, which means to pull. And you'll notice that both traction and distraction end in the same six letters, A-C-T-I-O-N, that spells action. So traction, by definition, is any action that pulls you towards things that you do with intent, things that help you live out your values and become the kind of person you want to become. Those are acts of traction. The opposite of traction is distraction. Distraction is any action that pulls you away from what you plan to do, anything that you are not doing with intent, anything that pulls you away from your values and further from becoming the person you want to become. So this is much more than just wordplay. This really matters because I argue that anything can be traction or distraction. Let me give you a great example. Every morning before I, I, I learned how to become indistractable, my daily routine looked like this. I'd sit down at my desk and I'd say, <laughs> okay, today I've got that big project I've been procrastinating on. I've got that thing I need to do that is very important. I have to work on it. I'm going to make time for it. Here I go. I'm going to get started right now, right away. Nothing's going to get in my way. No distractions. But first, let me just check email. <laughs> All right. Right. How many days of the week does that happen to us? We know what we're supposed to work on, that big important project, and yet we delay by doing something that feels like work, right? I got to check email at some point. Let me just scroll that Slack channel real quick. Let me just do that thing on the to-do list that's kind of easy to get my momentum going. And what we don't realize is, is that that is the most dangerous form of distraction. The mm. distraction that tricks you into prioritizing the easy tasks or the urgent tasks as opposed to the important task. And just because something is worky doesn't mean it's not a distraction. So that's how anything can become a distraction. And conversely, anything can be traction. So mm -hmm. I am not one of these chicken little tech critics that you hear these days that says <laughs> that tech is addicting you and it's hijacking your brain and let's blame the technology for making us do all these horrible things because Facebook and uh, Candy Crush are just too fun. We can't control ourselves. Rubbish. Yeah. That is such baloney. Okay. Yeah. I, I look, I wrote the book hooked. I know all the tricks in the book because I wrote the book and I yeah. can tell you these techniques that they use are good. They're not yeah. that good. And in yeah. fact, anything you want to do, if it's done with intent, if you want to watch Netflix, if you want to go on Facebook, if you want to go on Instagram or YouTube, fine, do it, but do it on your schedule. Because when you decide in advance how you want to spend your time, what you are doing is turning distraction into traction. Okay, so the difference between traction and distraction is one word, and that one word is forethought. So the time Woo! you plan to waste is not wasted time. You can do all those things. I'm not going to tell you not to. And, you know, I can't stand these, these uh, ivory tower professors that say, oh, just, you know, digital minimalism or just stop using technology. <laughs> stop, just stop using it, right? Well, our livelihoods depend on it, right? Like yeah. we can't just stop checking email. We can't stop using these tools. So we have to find a way to use this technology in a way that serves us as opposed to us serving the tech companies. And I think we absolutely can. We can have our cake and eat it too when it comes to this. I think this is a really powerful concept here. And this is why I think it's so powerful because it goes against like it's counterculture to what everyone else is saying you're supposed to do, meaning completely recede and completely cut off all distractions by turning off your Facebook, turning off your Instagram, cut it all off, which is almost like, oh, that's a little bit unhealthy, right? Because we're, you know, to inherently we're social creatures. And even now in a COVID-19 world, we're all online, right? And this is how we're kind of like keeping up with family and all of that. But what you're saying yeah. is the fact that it's actually okay if you are intentionally 
committing yourself to engaging on Twitter. And, you know, it's funny. You mentioned kind of your morning routine. My morning routine, I'll be honest with everyone listening right now, is I literally get up and I get on Twitter. <laughs> but it's because I have so many relationships on Twitter. And it's almost like a it's, a it's a B2B platform for me where I'm keeping up and I'm keeping in touch with people. So I feel as if I'm working when I'm on Twitter, but in a good way, in a more casual, professional way. But and you're yeah. saying that I'm, if I feel like that and if it's intentionally me doing something, whether it be to promote our company or building relationships, that it's OK. I shouldn't feel guilty about it. Well, here's the thing. You use a very important word. You said, if I feel like it and I would change that and, and make it into if I think like it. Because if you are escaping to use Twitter because you don't feel like doing the important yeah. work, if you're yeah. escaping it because you feel stressed, because you feel anxious, because you are looking to escape a feeling, then I would argue that's not a healthy behavior. Mm -hmm. But if you are using it with intent, if it's on your schedule, you know, two thirds of Americans don't keep any sort of a calendar. And even the one third who do, most of them don't use it correctly. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you don't know what you plan to do with your time, everything is a distraction, okay? You cannot call something a distraction unless you know what it distracted you from. Let me say that again. You cannot call something a distraction unless you know what it distracted you from. So, you know, one of the biggest mistakes that people make in this personal productivity space is mm -hmm. running their life on a to-do list. I hate to-do lists. They are destroying <laughs> people's productivity. People don't realize how terrible to-do lists are. They are literally destroying your productivity as opposed to the best to-do list is your calendar. Your schedule should tell you what to do because a to-do list has limitless constraints. You can always add more stuff to your to-do list and that only makes you feel worse about the stuff you didn't get done. As opposed to when you have a time box calendar, you can say, hey, look, my time, I want to spend. The right thing for me to do for my business is to wake up, do my personal hygiene, and from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., that's gonna be my Twitter time fine. That's great. But do it with intent. Plan to do that. Have it on your calendar. And now you've turned what would otherwise be a distraction into traction because you're using forethought. I, mean, I want to show love to our amazing community who is feeling and resonating with so much of what you're saying. My homie is saying, way to go, Tim. Love near Ayal's books. Love it, man. Thank you so much, brother, for tuning in. You know, Megan is saying, seems like his book is the psych behind the one thing. They haven't read that book, but we need to check out the one thing. You know, Charlene, Mrs. Lou, thank you so much for joining us on today's live episode. Love that. Traction versus distraction. Action. Action. Love that. And Mrs. Lou just said, I just happened to cite Nears this past week. Nice. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Look at that, man. Someone already had a, a premonition to, to, to sign you, and now they're, they're watching our show. I love that. So Megan is saying, but Tim's relationships are his work. Yes, my relationships are my work. So let me ask you, you know, for the people who are really committed to their work, who are struggling right now, right? Because I think you, you, you launched, you actually launched a book before COVID-19, but it's as relevant today as it is <laughs> before you launched more it. So. Yeah. yeah, more yeah. So than ever, for the people who are committed to their work and those who are struggling right now because they're so busy due to COVID-19 now that they're remote workers, what can they do to kind of like find out how to gain more traction and action in their professional development and life? Yeah, absolutely. So this is why there's there's really four steps to becoming indistractable. And uh, I want you to know the, these aren't, you know, I, I hate it when I read a personal development book or a self-help book and it's just someone's personal experience. You know, this is what worked for me, uh, so yeah. it should work for everyone. No, no, that's not good enough for me. I have 30 <laughs> pages of citations 
in peer-reviewed studies uh, of, of these techniques. And what I found over the past five years of research and writing is that there are thousands of studies out there that really do show us the way to become indistractable that are just mm. trapped in academia, just these studies that nobody's read. Uh, and so what I wanted to do was to put them into a memorable model that people could use in their day-to-day -day life. So basically, here's the model. You've got traction, you've got distraction, and then mm. what drives us towards traction or distraction are the external triggers and the internal triggers. So you can think of two arrows pointing towards the center, and then from that center, that's action, and then we've got traction and distraction pointing to the left and to the right. Now we can just work our way around those four points, kind of like the four points of a compass. So step number one is to master the internal triggers. That's the most important step. If mm. you don't understand what is driving you to, to distraction, why you're getting why you're procrastinating in the first place, that underlying all those behaviors is your desire to escape an uncomfortable emotional state, none of the life hacks, none of the tips and tricks are going to work. Okay, You yeah. have to start with that first, mm. uh, is to understand and master those internal triggers. And I show you systematically exactly how to do that. And it's not just my personal you know, opinion. We, I cite studies that uh, and, and techniques from acceptance and commitment therapy, psychology that's been around for decades. That's very effective, these very simple techniques that we can all use to master the internal triggers. That's step one. Step number two is to make time for traction. And so this is where I'm on this mission to convert people from this cult of the to-do list out there, that uh, people are so committed to thinking that that's the right way to do things. They don't realize how, how unproductive running your life from a to-do list is making folks. So I'm trying to convert people over to using what's called time boxing. And again, this has been around for decades, very effective technique. Psychologists call it making an implementation intention, which is just a fancy way of planning out what you're going to do and when you're going to do it. Very, very effective technique. And I show you exactly how to do that. And most importantly, how to do what's called schedule syncing. And this is even more important now that we're working from home. This is the process by which you have a time box calendar and you can show your boss what you plan to do with your time. And this is a life-changing practice. So few people do it. And it, the, the, those who do, it's incredibly effective. And this is why it works so well. One of the worst tropes that we hear in the productivity community out there is if you want to be more focused, if you want to have more time to do what you need to do, if you want to be less distracted, learn how to say no, right? Haven't we all heard that advice? Learn how to say no. Yeah. That is the stupidest advice. What kind of cockamamie advice is that? You're going to yeah. go to your boss, the person yeah. who pays you, and you're going to say no? That is a recipe to get fired, my friends. That is a stupid idea. So instead of saying no, what you want to do instead is take the time to make a time box calendar mm. and show your boss how you plan to spend your time at work, right? By yeah. the minute, literally by the minute. This, by the way, this takes 15 minutes, okay? 15 to 20 minutes. Actually, I'll give you a link that you can share. I built a free tool. Anybody can use it. You don't have to sign up for anything to make a time box calendar. 15, 20 minutes. You sit down with your boss on Monday morning. You share it with them over Zoom, for example. You share a screenshot. You say, look, boss. Here's what I'm doing with my time this week, okay? Here's my nine to five or whatever. Here's how I plan to spend my time. Now, you see this other piece of paper here? Okay, here this is this other list of the mm. things that I don't know where to put in my schedule. I'm having trouble prioritizing. Can you help me reprioritize? Is there anything on this list that's not in my weekly schedule that should be? Help me find time to, what, to put in what's more important here. So what you're doing is you're not the one saying no to your boss. You're having mm. your boss be the one that says no based on their priorities. 
your boss will worship the ground you walk on, okay? Because mm -hmm. they're wondering what you're doing all day. <laughs> this is called managing your manager, managing up by showing them and discussing this time box calendar. So schedule syncing, very, very important technique. The third step after mastering the internal triggers, making time for traction, the third step is to hack back the external triggers. So this is where we get into, you know, the the, the stuff like emails and, and yeah. notification and meetings. Oh my goodness, how much time do we spend on stupid meetings that Endless. are called for no other reason than yeah. to hear the person who called the meeting, they just want to talk out loud. They just they're 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 audible thinkers and they just need you to hear their ideas. What a waste of time. It's crazy. And so that can be incredibly distracting. So I tell you exactly how to hack back meetings, how to hack back working from home when your kids are there, all kinds of ways that we can hack back the external triggers. And then finally, the fourth step is to prevent distraction with PACs. PACs are when we make these pre-commitments as a last resort, as the firewall to prevent distraction. And so these four research-backed techniques is how we become indistractable, using them together in concert. Oh, my goodness. I hope everyone wrote that down because that's powerful. And more importantly, I hope everyone goes and gets his latest book <laughs> because I, I think it's powerful that you're, you're really delivering such a powerful model for people because this is what people needed five years ago, <laughs> right? And I think with the advent of, of technology, I want to ask you, Nir, because you kind of really went – on, um, you went really public saying that, you know, you remember when you were writing Hook and you've seen how it's been adopted by hundreds and hundreds of organizations and how you really documented it. And, you know, to, to a degree, you know, you've, you, you, you don't feel guilty because you were educating the masses on it. But with your new book, Indistractable, you know, what do you hope people really kind of uh, able, are able to take control of when it comes to their time in their life? Yeah, I mean, the, the the central theme of both books, so Hooked was about how to build habit-forming products. And yeah. to be very clear, you know, that book was not used by Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, those companies. I stole their secrets, right? Yeah. The reason I wrote Hooked was not for them. Uh, Indistractable came out in 2014. You know, Facebook and Google, those companies were started 2006 or earlier. And they've known these techniques for decades, right? The video game industry has known these techniques for a very, very long time. What I wanted to do was to democratize these techniques so anyone building any sort of app that can build healthy habits can have the same psychological tools that Facebook mm. and Google and Amazon all use to get people hooked to healthy behaviors. And that's exactly what's happened. You know, companies like Kahoot, the world's largest educational software, uses the hook model to get kids hooked onto online learning. Wow. Uh, companies like Fitbod use the hook model to get people hooked to exercise. Heck, you know, the, the case study, as you remember from Hooked, the only case study in the entire book is the Bible app. Right? <laughs> How the Bible app uses the Hook model. Because the idea here, it's not about judging whether Facebook is good or bad or YouTube is good or bad. It's not about that. It's about recognizing that we can use these same techniques to build healthy habits in people's lives through the technology they use. Now, the follow-up to that is that sometimes we have bad habits, right? So if Hooked is about how do we build good habits, Indistractable is about how do we break those bad habits. And so the good thing is we can have both. We can use our technology in a way that can build good habits in our lives, as well as to be on the defensive against all distractions. You know, distraction did not was not invented with the iPhone or Facebook. Distraction has been around for a very long time. Plato talked about it 2,500 years ago. The Greek philosopher Plato called it akrasia in the Greek, the tendency to do things against our best interests. And every generation go, has this moral panic that technology is distracting them. They said it about the radio, about the television, about the novel, all the way back to the written word. 
all of these terrible new technologies were supposedly melting our brains. It's rubbish. We can do something about it. We can take this into our own hands. And before we start waiting for the geniuses in Washington to regulate these companies, we can become indistractable right now by, by following these four steps. I love it. So, so with your new book, it's a matter of helping people. You're democratizing people to take control of their attention, essentially, and their, and their intent to a degree. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and this is this is the skill of the century, you know, that, that for sure the world is more distracting these days. And so if you don't learn how to control your attention, then you don't really control your life. Your life and your attention will be controlled by other people, whether that's the media, whether that's social media, whether that's your kids, your boss, something is going to take control of your time and attention unless you stand up and say, no, I control my time. I control my attention. I control my life because I am indistractable. Powerful, powerful here. You know, I want to show love to Megan, who says, how much is distraction related to anxiety? Because there's a lot of people who, who sure. have anxiety disorder. And even to a degree, I can actually speak to that a little bit as well. So we'd love to get your thoughts on that in here. Yeah, absolutely. So anxiety is certainly one of these internal triggers. And so feeling anxious is absolutely part of the human condition. It's about what do we do with that anxiety? Do we seek escape from it? Do we try and get out of our own heads by taking a drink or taking a drug or watching the news or scrolling social media? Or do we use it in a healthy manner that tells us something about our situation that we use to help us get stronger? So let me give you a great example of how anxiety can help or hurt. Um, so my profession is as a public speaker. And before COVID, I would be on the road constantly giving presentations and talking at conferences. And I used to get a pretty bad bout of stage fright that every time I would go on stage, I'd get sweaty palms, I'd get sweaty pits, I'd get nervous, I'd start shaking sometimes. And I would have this internal dialogue about, you know, why am I getting anxious? Why, why do I feel so stressed out? Why am I nervous? Maybe I'm not very good at this. Maybe I shouldn't be a public speaker. I'm going to totally screw up. It's going to be embarrassing. This is going to be on YouTube. I'm totally going to make this. I'm going <laughs> to embarrass myself. And I would yeah. go down this shame and guilt spiral that would make the anxiety even worse. And so what I do now is completely reimagine the internal trigger. And we talk about this in the book as well. Now, before I go on stage, I've completely changed how I think about that internal trigger. So now when I feel stage fright before I go on stage, I still get the, the, the sweaty palms and the, I can feel my heart beating right before I go on stage to talk to a thousand people. But now I've changed the conversation. Now what's happening in my own head is that when I feel my heart beating before I go on stage, I tell myself, okay. My body is getting me ready by pumping more blood to my brain so that I have all the oxygen in my brain to deliver the best possible talk I can. Wow. Right? This, is, this is what it feels like to get better at something. This is what it feels like to care deeply about something. So you're reimagining the internal triggers like anxiety, stress, uncertainty, boredom, fatigue. You're reimagining that internal trigger in a way that serves you as opposed to you serving the anxiety. Wow. That's such a powerful reframing, um, psychological reframing that completely changes your behavior. That is powerful. And, you know, it, it's so important, too, because that's what people struggle with most, those internal triggers of loneliness, boredom, depression. And, you know, I think it's one of the reasons why we're seeing so many people pass away, even during this pandemic, because they're not only isolated, but they're suffering from other mental internal um, triggers. 
Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and that's that's the source of all of these distractions. It doesn't matter what your distraction is. It's not just technology, right? There are lots of ways to take your mind out of reality uh, one way or the other. And if we and the, the root cause is always the same. It's always about a desire to escape discomfort. Wow. Amazing. Want to show love to the man himself, Mr. Martinez. Jonathan, thank you so much for showing us love. He's saying near AL. He's screaming your name from the rooftop. <laughs> and he's also showing me love. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Nir, it was so awesome having you on the show. Can we please have you on for a future episode? Maybe in the next book. If, is there going to be a next book? It's like there's an amazing series going on from Hook. Now I hope just- so. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love writing these books, and so you know, the, my books are always about something that I'm struggling with. Right? I write books for me first and foremost. Right? I, I'm not someone who had a lot of self control. I didn't have a lot of self discipline. I used to be clinically obese uh, at one point in my life, and so. What this, what this book is really about is about my own struggle with, with distraction in various forms of my life. And uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll have many more books in the future because there are always interesting questions to answer and str- things that I struggle with. So, yeah, there will be more. And we don't have to wait till then. We can always check in again. <laughs> we love to see it, man. Thank you so much, Nir, for all that you're doing. And please check out nearandfar.com and his newsletter. I get his newsletters every week. He's prolific and sharing all kinds of content around what's going on from a cognitive psychology standpoint, behavioral psychology standpoint. And it's super informative, whether you're in business and product or personally, you're trying to take control of your attention and your time. So please check out nearandfar.com. You know what, Near, thank you so much. What's what's one of your powerful takeaways for our people to kind of like, like latch on to, to make sure that they're, they're indistractable outside of getting the book? <laughs> sure. Yeah. So uh, yeah, definitely check out nearandfar.com. That's my blog, near spelled like my first name, N-I-R and far.com. There's, uh, there's actually an 80-page workbook there that we couldn't put into the final edition of the book because the book got too fat. So, uh, But you can get that for free. It's completely complimentary. Make sure you get that at nearandfar.com. And uh, the book, again, is called Indistractable, How to Control Your Attention and Choose Your Life. Love it, man. Appreciate you so much, Nir. Talk to you soon, brother. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Take care. You well, man. And that was Mr. Nir Al. Man. You have to love that guy. And a lot of what he's saying about being indistractable and taking control of your attention, it's, it's philosophy that I use even for myself um, as I want not only build guide, but think about how are you taking control of your time, your career, and the things that you actually love doing. So make sure you check out nearandfar.com to learn more about indistractable Near's latest book on how to take control of your attention and more importantly, your intent. So check out Indistractable. With that said, that is this special evening episode of Guy Live B2B Jam Session. Man, we are working hard today. Much love to Oakland. It's super, super hazy outside. It doesn't look safe still. It's weird. It's been like nighttime all day today. With that said, please, please show us some love at guideapp.co. We are booming, 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 booming. Guideapp.co, our website, if you want to be a part of our early beta have access to guide. We are coming soon, y'all. Working hard every single day. Every day is day one. With that said, much love to Megan, Jonathan, my boy, Ashok, Mr. Sharma. Much love to all of you who tuned in for today's episode. Please check out nearandfar.com and the schedule maker that Near shared in the comments. All right, y'all. With that said, as always, thank you so much for tuning in. See you tomorrow. Peace, love, And guess what? Abundance. Talk soon, y'all.